Chapter 17, Final Day I found the group as I had left them behind the broken stone wall. Victoria was up and walking with a strong limp. Seth and Saul were sitting slumped over and tired on the low wall, and Josie rushed up to hug me. I thought you were gone, she exclaimed. In a way, it was true, but I just couldn't tell her now. I'm so relieved to see you, I said as I embraced her in my arms. Then I turned to the whole team. I think I found her tree. Well now, maybe the tides are turning in this fight, Saul said, smiling with a sigh of relief. We all need some sustenance and rest before we go cutting down a tree. Breakfast at Denny sounds good, Seth added while rubbing his stomach. Now, I don't think we have time to go into town, but I'll make a nice batch of hotcakes at the station. Deb used to keep some ingredients and such in the kitchen for days like these. The warden invited all of us for a much-needed meal. We hadn't eaten since lunch the day before. I was very hungry, but I wasn't as hungry as I was thirsty. My thirst was intense. Saul stood up and limped himself down the hill the ruin was on and towards the vehicles. We were further out than the second clearing, so it was a decent length hike, and the fatigue was showing up in everyone but me despite my parched tongue. I felt so self-conscious about it, frightened someone would notice. I faked some slow walking and even made an effort to complain about my head a bit to Josie. I desperately wanted to be normal again. I think I was in denial of anything else. We found our vehicles where we left them, but the ranger's jeep was dented up and his tires were slashed. Seth's Subaru was in perfect condition right in front of it. It was a peculiar sight. Oh, this is cute, Saul said aloud as we approached. I bet it was Deb. She never did like me, and now she's all evil. You can ride with us, Seth offered. We have an extra seat now. His words reminded all of us of Ava's departure. We were set up to be severely traumatized from all the death around us. We all climbed in his car with Victoria taking Ava's spot in the back, conceding shotgun to the ranger. Seth pulled back out onto the highway and up the hill to the ranger station. We all headed in the front door and the group took the same place as we sat before on the couches while I searched frantically for some water. I found some in a dispenser next to Saul's office door and it helped enough. Then I rejoined the group. Saul had gone behind the counter into a back room and had started the griddle. We could smell the scents of pancakes penetrating the air of the entire station. It smelled so good. So you found her tree? Seth asked casually from his seat. Yeah, I tracked Jason and Ava back to their cave and I saw three trees and I marked all of them. Do you think you can find it again? Josie asked. There are a lot of trees. I'm pretty sure. I've been getting a pretty strong feel for these woods lately, I said with a smile. I actually went down into their cave, too. Really? Seth asked excitedly. What was it like? It was dark and quiet, and it had a giant abyss in a room protected by a stone door with inscriptions on it, I described. Whoa, what in the world are we into now? Like, for real? Yeah, it was eerie. Oh, and I got beat up by Jason and Ava, I tried to add calmly. But they didn't bite you? Victoria asked, surprised. No, I got away, I answered. Barely. Do you know what kind of inscriptions were on the door? Josie asked me, hoping for more clues as well. I was able to send pictures to Eddie with my phone. At least I think so. I only had one bar of service, but I haven't been able to get his response. You had service? 
Seth questioned. I did for a second. Hey, Victoria, how's your leg? I asked, changing the subject. It's my knee, and I think it's okay. I'll just be a little slower now, she said as she winced and while trying to bend it again. Slower. Oh, I better watch your back, Seth teased. She didn't snap back this time. She just blushed a little. I eyeballed Josie and leaned my head towards Victoria. Josie nodded back to me and winked. I couldn't take my eyes off of Josie. She was more attractive to me than ever in that moment. I was particularly fond of her neckline under her draped black hair. I took my cold hand and ran a finger gently under her ear. The temperature of my hand gave her shivers down her spine. You're so cold, she whispered. Sorry, I whispered back. It was uncomfortable not being able to touch her. It wasn't fair. I didn't mean for any of this to happen. Here's the food, everybody, says he came in carrying a plate stacked high with pancakes. I'll bring in some syrup in a moment. There's some paper plates on the counter over there and water available from the dispenser next to my office. Looks like Isaac already found that. He pointed in all the directions with his eyes as he carefully set the plate on the pine wood table in front of the two couches. The smell was almost intoxicating. We were all so hungry. I wondered why we should eat so good in a time so grim, but it almost felt right, like it was a last supper. We ate heartily and talked about the night-long battle behind us. It was merrier than looking towards the evening. We each had our own personal victories to brag about, and we each had a somber moment remembering how the fight started by losing Ava. Saul lifted the syrup bottle in the air and examined it closely. Do you really think this whole thing began because some lost vampire wanted sap from a tree? He asked, looking through the brown, sticky goo like it was a magnifying glass. I guess so, Seth answered. It makes as much sense as anything. Actually, Josie and I were thinking a vampire could have just peed on the tree. I offered to the group. Saul laughed first, and then the rest followed. You know, the how doesn't much matter at this point, Saul spoke bluntly. I wonder where he's at now, Josie asked thoughtfully. Who? Seth asked. The original vampire. I hope he's long gone, Victoria answered. I bet I bet he's easier to kill than these special ghost-bitten suckers, Saul said, putting the bottle back down on the table. That's probably true, I agreed. It seemed so strange to be in a peer relationship with the warden. He had made me so uncomfortable in the past and was so suspicious of me that I never wanted to speak to him again, and now he was my brother and comrade in arms. I want to thank you for joining me in this battle. I know it would be safer to stay behind, but we need to uproot this tree before her terror breaches any more family lines. She affected our group of friends, and she expanded to the rangers. She isn't finished yet. Wow. Did you practice that speech? Saul asked me in a teasing voice. Seriously, I might cry. It's got to be near 12 now. We need to get moving if we're going to find and cut her tree down before dark, I commanded the group. Ike, we have like seven hours of daylight, Seth said, looking fully comfortable, lounged back on his part of the couch. Soon to be six, I answered quickly. 
Do you hear yourself? You sound crazy, Seth asked. We have tons of time. Honestly, good leader, we could use some sleep, the warden started in. We sure as heck aren't getting any shut-eye tonight. Even if we can cut your woman down, we still have the others to deal with. And they kept us plenty busy without her help last night. I agree with the warden, Victoria stated. Me too, Seth said, raising his hand and tried to pressure Josie into the same decision. I looked into her eyes for support, but what I saw was a tired and terribly sore girl, and I broke. Fine, we can get sleep for a few hours, but then we have to move, I conceded on my terms. I'll be in my office then, Saul said as he stood up and headed to the doorway behind the counter. Seth spread out his legs long where Saul had been and kicked off his boots. Victoria moved from Josie and I's couch to the ground in front of Seth's and leaned her head back on his backpack. Josie snuggled up with me on ours and I spread out my legs the best I could. I was very comfortable and tired enough to sleep. I watched as each person dozed off at their own pace and I was last. Nobody set an alarm of any kind. I can't believe we didn't think of that. My phone vibrated in my jeans pocket what must have been many hours later. I opened my eyes to see us all sprawled out about the ranger station and the sun setting colors in the sky outside. We had slept way too long. I pulled my phone out hoping to see a text from Eddie, but it was not from any phone I ever wanted to see on my caller ID again. It was Ava. I flipped the phone open and answered carefully. Hello? Hey Isaac, it's Ava. She replied, sounding exactly like her old self. I know. So what are you guys up to? She asked with seemingly innocent intent. Come on, I'm not stupid. I'm not telling you. It looks like you're all sleeping. She said now with a tone of criminal intent. I jumped off the couch quickly, waking up Josie. I looked around at the windows, but there were no sign of vamps anywhere. There looked to be enough sunlight to keep them away, but she knew what we were doing. Did I scare you, baby? Ava, I'm sorry I couldn't stop Jason last night. You can't stop Jason. You can't stop any of us. Tonight's your last night. Pass the word. And with that ominous message, she hung up, leaving me trembling and, and having to answer questions to a now stirred group of five. Even Saul had heard my shuffling and had come out of his office. Who was it? The warden asked with a sleepy voice, rubbing his eyes. Ava... I replied, to which Josie and Victoria gasped to themselves. The redhead? Saul asked. I nodded as I put my phone back in my pocket. Well, isn't that a thing? So we need to get moving now, right? The sun's setting, Seth said in a bit of panic. Yeah, we need to move quickly. Time is not on our side, I replied seriously. We had slept away precious time. I could only hope that the extra rest would be the edge we needed that evening. I slipped back into my leather jacket, finding stakes already waiting for me in the sleeves. I slung my backpack with extra weapons over my shoulder. The warden reached back in his office and came out with a shotgun to add to his arsenal. Hey, that's not cool. I'm still stuck with stakes, Seth said, with envy to the warden. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Where are my manners? Saul replied sarcastically. Why haven't I given the miners firearms yet? He still had that tone. He looked around the room and spotted an old Spanish sword on the wall for decor. 
It had a large gold hilt with coiling gold strips around the grip to protect the wielder's hand. The blade was sharp, but the shimmer had been dulled. He reached up with his spare hand and pulled the sword forcefully off the wall. Here's a sword. Feel better? Yes, actually, Seth said, receiving the sword and waving it around like he knew what he was doing. Follow me and follow fast. We have to run to the tree and chop it down before sundown. We don't want this fight to ever involve Vitala. There wasn't a person or thing I wanted to see less than her. We charged out of the station in single file towards the Subaru and tore out of the parking lot and back down to the battlefield. As Seth drove as fast as he safely could go, I checked Josie's UV bracelet again, seeing if we had any more time. It was sketchy. The beads were really getting pale in color. When we arrived to the pull-off and got out of the vehicle, I realized we had left the chainsaws behind the night before in the clearing. We needed those before we could rediscover her tree. It was a very bad hand of cards for sure. We made our way back to the second clearing and looked for the saws in a frenzy of motion. They couldn't be found anywhere. That realization caused a feeling of deflated hope sinking in our souls. Beads turned to white, Josie cried out. Why can't we just run? Why do we have to be here? Victoria asked in a shrill voice. If we don't fight them here, they'll follow us, and our problem will become hundreds of other people's problems. Josie answered eloquently. She is something special. Would they follow me if, like, I left all of you here? Victoria asked. Yes, Seth answered quickly before anyone else had a chance. I looked at him confused, and he shrugged at me. Clearly, he wanted her near now. Circle up and prepare for that predatory attack, I commanded. Josie stood with a stake drawn to my left. Saul stood bold with a shotgun to my right. And Seth with his sword in his right hand. And Victoria hesitantly holding a stake to his right, making our full circle. We watched and waited as the sun cleared the western horizon and the moon shone bright. Visibility was high, and it was a beautiful, cloudless sky featuring constellations and falling stars. It was breathtaking. Our eyes focused on the tree line as the light appeared yet again in the distance. She was almost predictable now. We looked around, waiting for the circling shadow blurs of vamps, but they fooled us with a straight-up onslaught from the front coming upon us as equally as fast, all of them burying their teeth in the moonlight. Before I could blink, Vampire Jason was upon me and knocked me to the ground with a headbutt to the sternum like he had done to Seth so many nights before. He stood over me, expecting me to lose my breath, but I did not. I was much more of a match than he bargained for. I sprung to my feet, and I tackled him to the ground football style. I jerked my right arm in a way that the stake slid into my hand, and I stuck it deep into his heart before he could react to the tackle. His bluish-white face made an expression of deep agony but I knew well enough the stake wasn't going to kill him. I looked away in a reaction to a gun blast from Saul's shotgun. He had blown a large hole in the chest of Vampire Deb, making her fall to the ground in pain. When I turned back around to Jason, he was gone, and Vampire Ava was attempting to kick my teeth in. I turned fast enough to get her steel toe boot in the cheek, which sent me flailing a few feet back towards the circle. I tried to gather myself as Saul fired his shotgun at Ava to keep her off me, Somehow she was avoiding the shots, moving with agility to the left and the right. She had either learned a lot about vampire stealth overnight, or she was extremely lucky. I heard the sound of metal and bone, and I turned to see that Seth had used his sword to cut off the arm of vampire Marcos. 
The sight gave me a false sense of victory. The wounded vamps limped back to the trees where Vitala appeared to them and touched each one of them where they were hurt. I stared intensely as their wounds were mysteriously healed in front of our eyes. She even reattached Marcos's arm. Saying it was disheartening would be an understatement. I knew they would heal pretty fast already, but this was instant. We couldn't possibly withstand that. I quickly realized that Dennis hadn't been seen yet. I checked the four to make sure he hadn't picked any of them off yet. They were all well, if not depressed. It's like that stupid dodgeball game for fourth grade, Seth said to us. You know the one with a medic that can put people back in the game? I had grown up in a different school, but I remembered what he was referencing, and it was a strong analogy. Do you remember how to win that game? I asked the group. I do, Saul responded with a smirk. Kill the medic. It sounded so easy, but it would be very difficult. We need to buy more time. Can you get us to the ruins again? I asked. He nodded and waved for us to follow him as he retreated into the far woods and up a ravine to where the half stone wall stood. We followed him as he leaped over top. Dennis was already there, staring us down with his beady black eyes that no longer sat behind glasses. Saul quickly drew his handgun and shot him in the forehead, sending him to the ground limp, but not finished. It's a fast death for any normal human being. Dennis, of course, was no longer that. I could hear Ava's footsteps coming up the hill and figured the other quieter ones were with her. I got Seth's attention as I picked Dennis up by the shoulders and Seth grabbed him by the feet. We counted to three and tossed his body over the stone wall. We heard a collision of bodies and some irritated moaning. I peeked over the wall to see that Dennis's body had knocked down Jason, Marcos, and Ava like bowling pins. And that's when I learned not to piss off a vampire. Jason jumped the wall with fury, his veins bulging from his neck and his oversized muscles flexed. His eyes seemed to go a dark black to a tinge of red like he was bloodlusting. I couldn't keep him off me as he knocked me to the ground and snapped his teeth at me ferociously. Josie stabbed him in the back with a useless stake and I managed to push him away. Saul, seemingly uninterested in my little skirmish, continued firing his shotgun at the vampires coming up the hill. Seth pulled out some rope from his pack and tried to start tying Jason up, but Jason snapped the ropes and threw Seth like a ragdoll over the hill into the middle of the gunfire. I waved Saul to stop and ran after Seth, agitated by the circumstance. The tree should have been cut down by now. Batala should be long gone and our enemies possibly cured of their evil condition, at least according to my theory. But no, we needed a nap. I saw that Seth had gotten back on his feet okay, and I kept on pursuing the injured vampires who were retreating yet again to their mother. Seth started back to defend the girls with Saul. I stopped my pursuit to call out to him. Get the girls to come with me. We have to find this tree. What about the warden? He yelled back. Saul can do what Saul wants, I decided aloud. I watched the vampires as they descended quickly down the wooden ravine towards the bean-shaped clearing. I could see her glow below, waiting to cure her children. It was turning to a war we couldn't win. A few minutes later, the girls and Seth joined me. Saul had apparently decided to stay back behind the wall. After all, he was doing quite well from that position. We charged down the hill as fast as we could with Victoria's bad knee. Everyone was pretty banged up. We had scratched faces, bruised arms, and tremendous fear in our hearts. I could hear Josie praying as we rushed down. She hadn't lost faith. Once we hit the level ground of the clearing, it was like the lights went out. Vitala had disappeared. 
We could faintly see the silhouettes of all the vampires just standing and waiting around us. Seth waved his sword back and forth in a vain attempt to intimidate. Then, a blinding light came upon us, knocking us all to our knees except Josie. The light was surrounding her like an angel. I actually allowed myself to think God was saving her from this war, but that's not how God saves people. The light suddenly shape-shifted into the dreaded woman of the woods, all six foot of her holding Josie by the head, one hand on each ear. Leave her alone! I screamed at her in fury. Isaac, my love, I'm offering you a gift. She spoke devilishly. I don't understand. If your love is true for her, I concede. She can be your bride for eternity. All you must do is join me now. She offered the decision of fate as she leaned in as if to bite Josie's neck, to transform her into one of them. Her words seemed to just hang on the thin mountain air. My heart was beating fast. What was I supposed to do? I have replayed this moment over in my head thousands of times each day since. Did I react heroically or foolishly? I'll never join you, Vitala, I yelled with a deep Jason-esque voice blast. And without even a second's time to process my decision, Vitala stood up straight, still holding Josie's head in her hands, and twisted her neck violently. I watched as my one true love fell dead to the earth below. Seth and Victoria screamed. I rushed over to her body and brushed her hair back out of her olive face. It was there that I kissed her lips gently for the first time. I had been robbed of everything. She had been robbed of everything. My heart broke as if it had been shattered like glass on my chest. I felt the coldness on my hands and feet overcome my entire body, including my face, and my heart stopped beating, becoming frozen like ice. I was overcome. My eyes went dark as some unknown inner wrath and lust for blood took over my system. I quickly removed Josie's UV bracelet from her cold hand and slid it in my pocket. They would be a precious memory and a useful tool. I looked up at the witch that killed my girl and my instincts took over as my primal core led me to the chainsaw glimmering in the moonlight 30 feet away. I reached it in mere seconds before any witnessing vampire or otherwise realized what I was doing. I bolted into the woods towards her tree in a flash at demon speed with others chasing after me. Vitala appeared in front of me as I rushed towards her tree, her eyes dark red and her voice bent on stopping me. I wondered if she had any idea how to kill me since I hadn't had any luck with other vamps she sired. She tried to stop my forward progress, but I was more driven. I would not be stopped. Her punches, slaps, and blows to my body left me unfazed. She disappeared as I reached the place of the triple pines around the cave hole in the ground, and I started up the chainsaw. The forest lit up with a sea of Oread women again, but I was committed and driven by something darker than myself. I intended to cut down all three trees until Vitala reappeared in front of her tree at the last second with desperation in her face. She stretched out her arms to keep me away as I cut through her transparent body and into her tree with all the force I could muster. The tree fell through the woman as she cried out with a loud, inhuman scream as Vitala was sucked out of this world in a flash, never to be seen again. Kill the tree. Kill the Oread. Before I could even ponder my satisfaction, Jason was upon me, seeking to avenge his mother. As he lunged at me, I realized that killing the tree didn't save my friends. 
this wasn't lost, boys. He jumped off a nearby tree and sprung down with great force. I caught him and used his energy to pound him into the ground, where he fell hard upon the pine tree of Vitala. A thick branch from the tree had come through his back and out his chest where his frozen heart would have been. In a split second, he turned to regular skin tone all over and shrunk to regular size. I jumped off him as his eyes turned back to blue and he looked human again. He looked up past the trees into the sky and stared at the moon for a moment. Then he closed his eyes. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. He was gone, really gone. His body remained cold and still, but his life was extinguished. The wood of Vitala's tree was the answer to my riddle. My bloodlust desired to end them all, and Ava obliged, attacking me with her with a fury of a broken but dead heart. I kicked her to the ground and pulled out a knife from my backpack. I had packed some more conventional tools and then crosses and holy water this time around. I chopped off the end of Vitalis' tree branch. It was now my weapon of choice, my bane, a vampire. I kicked Ava again, sending her to the ground. Her hair was still red, but her face so pale. She was a sad reminder of the old man's daughter in Camp Verde. Her eyes were dark black like the others, and her muscles were larger than before, using all her agility as a cheerleader to her advantage. She got up quickly and blocked my first swing at her chest, and then the second. But after a brief struggle, my inner rage took control, and I sent the tree stake through her hand and into her heart. She, too, in a blink of an eye, returned to the regular human form. Her eyes turned back to green, and she looked over at Jason's body and looked deep into my eyes which were no doubt black and evil. And she still smiled. It caught me off guard and I fell back to the ground and she closed her eyes and passed away. I lay there quietly and listened for the next opponent. This time Marcos and the vampire rangers had witnessed my slaying and had the opposite reaction of Ava. Instead of fighting and avenging love, they ran like dogs. I, of course, gave chase. Overcoming Marcos first, sending a forceful blow over his shoulder and into his chest, shrinking him down to a still large football weight and sending him into eternity. His lifeless body fell hard to the ground with a thud. I was fascinated by the way they died. The way they returned to their human likeness was poetic and beautiful. And the vampire inside me was determined to see them all die again and all die that night. The ranger pair screamed lowly as I caught up with them in the clearing. Seth, Victoria, and Saul watched on. Saul must have rejoined the group while I was chopping down the tree. I ran right in between the vampires as they fled, and I slid in the muddy sod on my knees to pass them briefly and popped up to stake each of them in the heart with a branch I had broken in half. They reverted to their simple ranger selves and then slowly fell limp on the ground. Holy crap, Seth muttered as I stood to my feet, having slayed every single vampire in the forest except myself. They're dead. And with that, he and Victoria started celebrating, and then Saul cued them to calm down. You kill the tree? Saul asked, still at a safe distance from me. I could tell they had no idea what I was. That I would work to my advantage. She's dead. They're all dead. I responded a little surprised by the deepness of my voice. The three sighed aloud. They thought they had won. It's over then? Victoria asked hopefully. It's not over, as I crept slowly to them. What do you mean, Seth demanded. He raised his flashlight up in my eyes and took a step back. Ike? 
Is it still you? Are you with us? He was terrified. I eyeballed Saul, making sure he didn't pull his gun on me. I was in no mood to get shot that night. I knew the tree stakes wouldn't be of use, so I tossed them to the ground. My new weapon of choice was not the kind you can hold in your hand. It was a part of me. I burst like a lightning bullet saw, knocking him to the ground before he could get a clean look at the new me. I removed his firearms and tossed them far out of reach. I stood over him and stomped on his right gun hand, feeling the bones crush under my force. He wailed in pain. I turned slowly to size the others up. I understood they were friends, and part of me knew that and didn't want to hurt them, but a stronger part of me hated them and needed their blood. I had done too much killing without the taste of blood, and I was so thirsty. The dark part of me overcame what good was left, and I pounced like a wildcat at Victoria with intent to slice her open and to feed on her. But Seth jumped to her rescue, putting himself in harm's way. I avoided his sword blade and knocked it back, slicing his arm and sending him to the forest-clearing floor in a pool of blood. The smell of it was so strong to me, I almost couldn't restrain myself from lapping it up like a wild animal. I rose to my feet again as Victoria got down on her knees next to Seth and embraced him. She loved him. I could smell it all over her now. It was almost as strong as the blood, and I hated it. Before I could make my next move, I heard a gunshot and felt a bullet sling through my left arm, sending shooting pain through my whole left side. I looked to where the noise came from, and there stood Saul with his gun in his left hand, still smoking in the cool mountain air. That was the end for me. My sweet goodbye. I didn't need shot twice to be swayed, and I ran as fast as I could into the woods, headed to the old underground vampire lair hidden under the fallen pine. I took the long way around so I couldn't be tracked, and I wasn't sure how long I might need to take cover there. I passed the Subaru on the way, and I noticed something missing as I ran past the windows. Me. I was missing. My reflection was gone. I had truly lost myself. I reached the cave after throwing Saul off my trail, and there I hid. My life changed forever.